Let me ask you a question. How many rubber bands does it take to implode a watermelon? Deep, meaningful question this morning that, 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 that all middle schoolers have, have, have taken time to think through. How many, how many rubber bands does it take to implode a watermelon? <laughs> More than eight. This is an experiment that um, it teaches you something about physics. Because as soon as you put one rubber band onto a watermelon, just one, it begins to create uh, pressure. And, and with just one rubber band, it begins to break apart the bonds between the molecules of the watermelon. You can't see it. It's at the microscopic level. But when that first rubber band goes on, it begins uh, to apply pressure. And so as the experiment goes, you add a second and a third and a fourth. And eventually you end up with something like this, where you have several hundred rubber bands on the watermelon. The internet told me that it takes 500 to 700 rubber bands until finally the watermelon reaches the breaking point and completely explodes. And if you go back, go back one slide, you can see the anticipation on these guys' face, right? Can you see it? Can you see that they're like, they don't know when it's going to happen because with each rubber band, it could be the last one. It could be the breaking point. This last rubber band could be the breaking point. It could be the point where the thing just explodes in our faces. Raise your hand if you want to go home and try this today. Yes, <laughs> just a couple of you, right? Sorry, mom and dad. Do it outside, right? Do it outside. Sometimes we think that God is like the watermelon. Sometimes we think that God is like the watermelon. What do I mean? What do I mean? Well, go with me for a minute. Close your eyes. Everybody, I can see you. Close your eyes. Close your eyes. I want you to imagine that God is looking down on your life right now. He can see everything that you think, everything that you've said, everything that you do. Nothing is hidden from his eyes. He's looking down on you right now. What is he thinking about you? What does God think of you as he looks down on you right now? Is he disappointed? Is he angry? Is he frustrated? Does he even care? You can open your eyes. I'll be honest, when I did that experiment, I, the first thought that came into my mind was, he's disappointed, disappointed in me, and what I've done or what I've thought or what I've said. I think sometimes we can view our actions like those rubber bands, right? Each one of them slowly frustrates God over time, building up to some unknown point when God finally snaps, when God finally reaches the breaking point and lashes out and gives us what we deserve. Maybe you've thought that, that God is, is like the watermelon who reaches the breaking point because all of our actions at some point are going to reach the point where God just 
has, us, has it out for us. I remember feeling that way when I was a teenager. I remember feeling that way when I was around 17 years old, thinking, man, at some point, this is all going to catch up to me. At some point, God's just going to let it rip. Sometimes we think God is like that watermelon, volatile, ready to burst. But why do we think of God that way? Why do we think of God that way? Um, a church member, uh, not someone in this room, but a church member of a previous church actually uh, one time said to me, man, God's really kicking my tail. And he literally said tail. <laughs> I'm, I'm not cleaning it up for you, but that's what he said. He said, man, God's really kicking my tail. And I was like, what do you mean? He said, I've just got all these, ba- all these things that are going on in my life, the, all these hard things in my life. And, and he went down the list of all the bad things that were happening in his life. And he said, God's, wh- God's doing this to me. He's punishing me. He's, he's coming after me because I haven't done right. I haven't done what's right. I'm, he's coming after me. He's really kicking my tail. Does God kick your tail? Does God take out his frustration on us? I know we know the intellectual answer. I know we do. I know we know the intellectual answer. But brothers and sisters, boys and girls, sometimes we impose our experience with our earthly fathers on how we think about God the Father. Sometimes we impose our experience with our earthly fathers on God the Father. Now I know, even in a a, a crowd this size, that some of our fathers were abusive and unkind. Some of them were. Some of them were abusive and unkind. Some of our fathers, we had to walk on eggshells around them. One wrong word. uh, One wrong grade. Uh, one uh, strikeout could cause them to snap. Just like that watermelon, you never know when it's going to happen. You never know when it's going to happen. You're always, you're always worried. You're always not sure. Some of our fathers were like that. Now, some of our fathers were loving and faithful and kind. But even the best earthly fathers get angry. Even the best earthly fathers get disappointed. Even the best earthly fathers are inconsistent. Do you see how this can affect how we think of our Heavenly Father? It can really affect how we think of our Heavenly Father. Now, I want you to take all of the bad things that a father can be, okay, all of the bad things that a father can be, and combine it with the most powerful man in the world. The most powerful man in the world combine the worst characteristics of a father with the most, the most powerful man in the world. And that image leads us to our scripture. If you have a Bible, open to Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 through 12 is where we'll be today. Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. While you're turning there, I want to give you a little bit of background. Moses, you guys remember Moses? Moses was born around 1500 B.C. He was born during a time when God's people were enslaved by the Egyptians. They were being oppressed and enslaved by the Egyptians, and their oppression was severe. 
You see, Pharaoh was so fearful of these people. He was so fearful of the people of Israel that he ordered all the male babies to be slaughtered. Do you remember the story? It's found uh, in uh, the beginning of Exodus, Exodus chapter 1 and 2. He ordered that all of the male babies be slaughtered. And you may remember the story of Moses and how Moses' family saved him. Do you remember what they did? They placed him in a basket, right? And they put the basket into the river, and then the river carried Moses to safety. And miraculously, he was found by none other than Pharaoh's daughter. He was found by none other than Pharaoh's daughter, and, and, and she took pity on this little foreign baby that she found, and she adopted him into her home, and she posted pictures to Instagram of this little foreign baby that she adopted. So check this out. <laughs> Pharaoh, the tyrant who killed all of Moses' cousins, brought Moses into his house and became a father figure to him, his grandfather, but a father figure to him. And Moses grew up with a tyrant as a father. Moses grew up with a tyrant as a father. And you know what? He grew up to be a lot like his, a lot like his adopted dad. You might remember how Moses was like that watermelon. <laughs> because as Moses grew up, he was angry. And he got increasingly angry, and, and, and day by day he witnessed the cruelty of, 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 of the Egyptians against his own ethnic people. And one day he reached the breaking point, one rubber band too far, and, and in a moment of anger, Moses took vengeance on a fellow, for a fellow Israelite, and he struck an Egyptian down and killed him. Committed murder right there in the streets. Everyone saw it. Nowhere to hide uh, 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 like father, like son. Uh, Moses was like his tyrant father, Pharaoh, but Pharaoh didn't see it that way. Pharaoh was angry at Moses, and so he came after him and he tried to kill him. He was enraged, but Moses narrowly escaped and went off into the land of Midian. And it was there in Midian, it was there in the wilderness at Mount Horeb, that God met Moses one day. That God met this angry man who had a much more angry father. And God revealed himself to be a strong father. God revealed himself to Moses to be a strong father. Right here in this passage, uh, just beyond this passage, God calls his children, Israel, my son. And it's one of the first hints in Scripture that we're to look at God as Father. Uh, Israel, my son. And so let's turn to our Scripture. This is uh, Exodus chapter 3. And we're just going to work through this, these 12 verses, kind of break it down as we go. Um, but there's, there's, there's four things we need to know about the Father. There's four things we need to know about the Father's strength, and the first is this. God the Father's strength is under control. God the Father's strength is under 
control. Verse 1. Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro. I forgot to mention he got married while he was out there. Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God, also a.k.a. Mount Sinai. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight. Why the bush is not burned. We'll stop there. See, Moses grew up in the most powerful nation on earth. But he had never seen anything like this. He had seen magic shows. He had seen the performances. He had been to the circus. But he never saw anything like this. A burning bush that was not consumed by the fire. So he was curious. And he drew near. And in this moment, God taught him something about his fatherhood. God taught him something about his strength by appearing in this flame of fire in a bush that did not burn. Earlier this week, Jerome and I went for a walk through the St. Paul neighborhood. We were walking around just meeting people, praying for people, walking up on front porches, uh, praying for people who were sitting there. And we were talking with these uh, older gentlemen, and they pointed out across the street a house that had, been, uh, that had been burned. And you could tell it had been burned because the entire house was charred on the outside. And it got me thinking about how powerful flames are. And one of the men told us, he said, it was probably an electrical fire that started somewhere maybe in the attic. But if you've ever watched those fire videos you can, uh, that they do, uh, control burn firefighters do this, and uh, they'll show you how, how quickly a fire can go from, 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 a, from an ashtray uh, to a couch, to the floor, to the walls, to the, and, and totally consume a house uh, within minutes. It's incredible, the power of fire. And here God appears in a fire with all of its power, all of its consuming strength, and what, and what happens to the bush? Nothing. God appeared in the fire, yet did not consume the bush. See, that's something that we need to know about God's strength. His strength is under control. He's not like a watermelon ready to burst. He can literally put fire on a bush without the bush burning. That is how in control God is of His power. That is how in control God is of His strength. He is not a loose cannon. He is not out here about to blow up on you. He is not out here about to do something that you don't expect Him to do. He's not out here about to just, just dump fire on you. Because His power is under control. God the Father's strength is under control. That's number one. Number two. God the Father's strength is personal. It's personal. Verse 4. When the Lord saw that He turned aside to see it, God called to Him from the bush and said, Moses. Moses. And He said, here I am. Then the Lord said, Do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place on which you're standing is holy ground. And then the Lord said, 
I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. God the Father called out of his demonstration of power and strength, and he calls Moses by name. Moses. Moses. The repetition of the name shows us that God the Father is engaging him in a personal, intimate relationship. Uh, He doesn't just say, hey, Moses! Right? He says, Moses. Moses. There's a pleading in his voice. There's a a calling to him. He's, He's inviting him into something. He's inviting him into this relationship with this powerful, strong father who, who, can, who can put a fire in a bush and yet not burn the bush. Moses. Moses. The father calls him by name. The father protects him from danger, and then he tells him his family history. He says, I am the God of your father. And Moses clenches up, real. Clenches up. God of my father. But then God continues and clarifies, right? And he says, no, no, not not that father. The God of your biological father. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. God reminds him of who his family is. God reminds him of his promise that goes all the way back to Abraham, that I will be your God and you will be my people. God the Father calls each of us by name. God the Father in His strength. His strength is personal. His strength is under control. And thirdly, God the Father's strength is redemptive. Look at verse 7. Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt. And I have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings. And I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And now behold, the cry of my people of Israel has come to me. And I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians have oppressed them. You see, God the Father wields His strength. He wields His power to bring His children out of danger. He wields His power to bring us out of harm's way, to redeem us from our enemies. You see that? God is saying, I hear your cry, and I will redeem you. I will bring you out. Several years ago, I was at a park up in Greenville with my kids. And uh, we were, the kids were all out. There was a lot of kids out on the playground. I don't know, 30 or 40 kids on the playground. And then some of the dads who were there together, we were all kind of huddling up, talking to each other. And I remember at one point, as we were sitting there talking, we heard a blood-curdling scream. You know, I'm not going to do it. But we heard a blood-curdling scream from on the playground. And I noticed that none of us flinched. Like nobody moved. And then I looked over 
And I remember seeing a, a, another parent, I think it was a dad actually, who was running from over there onto the playground to rescue his kid from whatever peril they had gotten themselves into. A father and a mother knows the voice of their child. You can recognize their screams. <laughs> Why? Because we hear them a lot. Amen. We can recognize their screams, and you know it's the same thing with your heavenly Father. He can recognize your cry. Isn't that what it says? I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt. I have heard their cry. I have heard their cry. And when he heard it, he came running. God the Father's strength is redemptive. He is taking all of his might, all of his strength, and he is coming to rescue his children. His strength is redemptive. The Father's strength is personal. He calls us by name, and his strength is under control. Fourth, God the Father's strength is empowering. Look at verse 10. <laughs> he says to Moses, come, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I? that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt. He knew what Pharaoh was like. <laughs> he said, and then God said to him, but I will be with you. And this shall be a sign for you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will serve God on this mountain. That will be the sign to you. God the Father does not keep all his strength to himself. And this is so important. As a father, God empowers his children. As a father, God shares his strength with us. He calls us to do what he does. Why do so many children want to grow up and do what their dad did? Because we're wired that way. And our father, our heavenly father, wants us to grow up and do what he does. To bring redemption to the world. To bring His kingdom to bear on so many areas of life. Like what we prayed about earlier. To be sent out. To be about His work of redemption and of bringing that good news to the world. A good father trains his children to do many things on their own. When I was a kid, my dad was putting on a new roof on the storage building out back Actually, it was the first roof, I think, putting the first roof on the storage building out back. And I don't know, I was 10 or 11, and I can't tell you how many nails that I bent trying to hammer, holding the hammer up real high, like doing it wrong. You know, I mean, I probably bent hundreds of nails. I don't know. He said I probably wasn't that bad, but <laughs> I had a good teacher. But, um, but what did he do? Did he say, just forget about it? Forget about it. Go, go inside, watch TV, forget about it. I'll do it. No. No. In a moment of being a good father, he said, let me show you how to do that. He said, hold it like this. Got to get it just right so you're not 
on an angle. Got to be right above it, 90 degrees, you know. Hit it right, square on the head, right? Square on the head. Hit it square on the head. I remember that. Hit it square on the head. He could have done it himself, right? He could have. He could have done it himself, but he let me help. You know, that, that's what our Father does. Our Father lets us help. He shows us how. He deals with our mistakes. He deals with the ways that we blow it and don't do it right. He puts up with a lot of bent nails. Amen? He puts up with a lot of bent nails, but at the end of the day, our Father loves us so much that He wants us to do what He does. He wants us to do what He does. The Father's strength is empowering. The Father's strength is redemptive. The Father's strength is personal and under control. And so today I want to leave you with this thought. You can have a father. I don't care what your earthly father was like. You can have a father today who will not explode at you in anger. You can have a father today who will not kick your tail because he is not wrathful toward his children. The Father has already taken care of His wrath by sending our older brother Jesus to come to this earth to take all of the punishment for sin on Himself. And so if you're in Jesus, then your relationship with the Father, there's no wrath left. There's no wrath left. There's no more rubber bands to put around the watermelon. It's just the full acceptance and love of the Father. That is all we have, and it's by God's grace that we get this free gift. You can have a Father today who will not explode in anger. And you can have a Father today who calls you by name. Latifia, Joel, David. Angela, Marcia, Bryn, Mike. You can have a father today who calls you by name. He doesn't overlook you. Uh, He's not ignoring you, but he's engaged. He's paying attention. He's seeking you out. I mean, every Sunday we have a call to worship. That's we're not calling you to worship. God is calling you to worship. God is calling you in. God is calling you together. God is calling you into the living room for a family meeting every Sunday. That's what we're doing here. It's a family meeting. You can have a father who is available to you today. He wants to spend time with you. He wants you to take off your shoes and relax in his presence. Now that doesn't take away his holiness, right? But He takes care of that. He protects you from His holiness. And He invites you in because we have a Father. You can have a Father who calls you by name. And you can have a Father today who you can run to in your distress, who you can, from the playground, cry out a blood-curdling scream if you need to, and He will hear you. Maybe it's a muffled scream. Maybe it's a silent scream. And He will hear you. 
You, ha- you can have a Father today who will come to you, who doesn't ignore your pain, but who soothes it and who brings His, his, his strength to heal you and to care for you and to, to, to take you where you need to be. The Father redeemed Moses and He redeemed Israel from the clutches of Pharaoh and He has redeemed us from all of our enemies, from sin, from death, and from anything else that wants to, uh, to harm us, His people. He has redeemed us. And, and man, if you didn't get a chance to listen to the sermon last week, go back and, and listen to it because it's all about the ultimate redemption of what God is, has done and is going to do. You can have a Father who you can run to in your distress. You can have a Father today who will teach you who will take the time and patiently endure with you and me. Who will empower you to do what He does. See, God the Father is bringing His redemption to the whole world. And He's not just going to do it on His own. He could. But God chooses to use means. And you know what? You're the means. And I'm the means. God chooses to use us to bring His... That's what prayer is. You ever think about prayer? Why, why should I pray? What's the, God knows everything already, right? Why should I pray? Because God uses prayer. He doesn't have to, but He uses it. He uses your prayers to make things happen in the world. Isn't that incredible? God doesn't have to do that. He could just do it. But He doesn't. He says, grab the hammer this way. Pray like this. And then he empowers us to do what he does, to build his kingdom. He wants everybody involved. You can have a father today like that. So who wants a father like that? Who wants a father like that? You may not encounter God in a burning bush. But you know what? God has done something even more incredible. He has sent the burning bush into our hearts. The Father and the Son have sent the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is the power of God who indwells all who believe. And the Holy Spirit indwelling in you will empower you, enable you to experience the intimacy and the closeness of the Father and to experience His power and to experience His salvation when you screw up. to experience the forgiveness and to remind us of what Jesus has done for us. The Spirit indwells every believer. And it's not something that you have to do to to, to work up some kind of Holy Spirit thing. No, the Holy Spirit indwells everyone who believes. You know what that means? It means you just have to have faith. It means you just have to have faith in the Lord. And as soon as you have faith in the Lord, the Holy Spirit comes into your life. And he begins to rearrange the furniture and he begins to change you. And he begins to give you access to that throne room of the Father. And all of his power, he dwells with you by his Spirit. And I'm so excited about this sermon series because over the next three months, we are going to go behind the curtain and we are going to break down what God has told us about himself. And this month in March, we're going to be looking at God the Father. And then in the month of April, we're going to be looking at God the Son. And then in the month of May, we're going to be looking at God the Holy Spirit. 
So we're going to take three months to work through who God has revealed Himself to be in Trinity. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. One God in three persons. And so today, I want us to think about the Father one more time. The Father whose strength is under control. The Father whose strength is personal. The Father whose strength is redemptive. And the Father whose strength is empowering. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for um, your goodness. God, we thank you that you are a good Father. Lord, we thank you that you have come in strength and that we do not have to, like Moses, be afraid of you and run and hide because you are not like our earthly fathers. But you are good and righteous in all your ways. You are full of mercy and compassion and steadfast love. And God, it is, it is in your strength, it is by your strength that we get to be sent out from this place today by faith trusting in the Lord Jesus, filled with the Holy Spirit, so that we might do the things that you do. Lord, would you help us to that end? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.